0: The sky is falling. The sky is falling. But it is a warm, sunny day in these last days of June 2022. Wow, there's so much happening. And things are not usually this desperate. Usually one side of the political spectrum acts and the other reacts. This week, we get to do both, regardless of what side there is, because there's something for everyone. I know you've heard about the Supreme Court decisions with Roe versus Wade and the gun rights for New York State citizens, because those have been in the news everywhere. But there's other things going on with the Supreme Court. In fact, the Supreme Court's not quite done yet. Although I don't think the last two are going to be as significant as the three I'm going to share today. You know, living brightly requires that we are politically savvy. have you ever heard the story of chicken little (laughs) if you want to read it it is on the website it will be in the show notes for this episode episode 10 on elainecross.com you can go there you can look at it you can download it you can read it along with all the other clips on this show and every show it's always available for you at the website the sky is falling the sky is falling But it is a warm, sunny day in these last days of June 2022. You, like I, know the iconic line of this story is, The sky is falling! The sky is falling! But I don't know about you, I completely forgot all about the fox. The true danger. We who live brightly know there is always a sneaky enemy out there to kill, steal, and destroy. We also know people are not our enemy story of Chicken Little. We know there are three major elements of the story, the oak tree, the fox, and the crowd. Today, I'm gonna review the falling skies on this warm sunny day of June 22, considering our foundation of beliefs, rest, identity, and gifts, as well as our four walls of honor, tribe, liberty, and yielding, individually as a lamp, together a city on a hill. Welcome to Living Brightly with Elaine Cross. The communists in the 1940s, 50s, set out a plan to destroy America in several ways. And on January 10th, 1963, the current communist goals, is how they're defined, were read into the record of the House of Representatives, delineating these 45 goals that the Communist Party had created to destroy America kind of as a warning. Yoo-hoo, look at this. This is what they're going to try and do. It's an interesting read and one we'll get to, but not today. Today, we're going to look at what's been happening at the Supreme Court that it is going to impact us as believers in this great land of ours. I'm not sure what all you have heard about, but there's one of these that I'm sure you've heard. But we're going to talk about three distinct cases that the Supreme Court heard this year and have already ruled on. And we're going to start with the oldest one. Each of these three have been important for religious liberty. So there are three important religious liberty cases that the Supreme Court has heard this year. And they directly confronted the Establishment Clause. Now the Establishment Clause is in the First Amendment where it says that the government shall not establish any religion. And they have interpreted that for years as this separation of church and state. Of course, those words do not appear in the Constitution or the amendments anywhere, separation of church and state. They eluded that from this Establishment Clause. So let's start by reading what the First Amendment actually says. Okay, the First Amendment Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridge the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So here you have establishment of religion, prohibiting free exercise thereof, meaning the free exercise of your religion, and then abridging or oppressing the freedom of speech, the press, and the right of the people to peaceably assemble and petition the government for redress of grievances. Wow. Has the First Amendment been on display in 2021, in 2022? It will be interesting to see how it progresses in the summer of 22, if it has anything to do with the last couple summers we have had. Peaceably to assemble. Hmm. I don't think that covers riots, but that's not the discussion of today. <laughs> Today's discussion is all about Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That's where we're going to stop today with the First Amendment. People think of the First Amendment, they think of the free press or the freedom of speech. They might remember freedom of religion is in there, but they don't really understand because, you know, there's this whole separation of church and state thing that's been going on for A long, long time, my whole life or the majority of it has been under this establishment clause. And I say most of it because this is 50 years old and I'm a little over 50, but not enough over 50 to know any difference. (laughs) But what does this mean in 2022? And 50 is significant. Matter of fact, I'm going to be putting out a podcast soon that's going to be podcast number 50 because 50 is so significant. 50 is one of those things we see significantly in scripture repeatedly, but again, not today. Today, we're going to start in May. May 2nd of 2022, the Supreme Court of the United States published their decision in a case called Shortleaf versus the City of Boston. Have you heard of that? The City of Boston... I had not heard of it. And this is a freedom of expression for Christians case. So a Christian's right to express themselves as Christians. When it came up against this quote unquote separation of church and state, this ethereal kind of gobbledygook that they created in a decision that kind of became the standard by which they judged everything else. The city of Boston has a plaza or an open space. In that open space, they allow various groups to use it, and the city uses it as well, to celebrate different things. So I would guess if a major political figure in the city of Boston, let's say the mayor, died suddenly, they would probably have a gathering or memorial or something on the plaza, okay? This is also a place where lots of non-government organizations meet and have celebrations or gatherings of all different stripes and all different styles because it's public space. So the city coordinates the schedule for these events basically so you don't have two people scheduling for the same day, makes sense. The city just coordinates this space so that pretty much anybody who has an organization or has a group in Boston can use it, great. This is something that we like in the United States, this kind of falls under the First Amendment to peaceably assemble, right? We can gather based on who we wanna associate with, freedom of association, and gather together and celebrate something that we hold important. In this plaza, there are three flagpoles. One flagpole, they have the American flag. On the second flagpole, they have their state flag. Boston is in Massachusetts, so it's the Massachusetts flag, right? Sounds great. The third flagpole can be used by these groups that use the plaza. They can use this flagpole to display their flag, in a way they can say, hey, anybody who's driving by or anybody who's near can see that something's going on at the plaza. Oh, look at the flagpole. Oh, that flag there. What does that flag represent? Okay. It represents the people on the plaza doing whatever they're doing. Now, that flagpole has had 50 different flags flown on it. So 50 different flags. Some of them were for various states. Some were for different countries. So I guess if it was an Italian-American society, maybe they would fly the Italian flag, the flag from Italy, wherever. They could fly that flag. Now they also had opportunities that were listed in the thing were safety services. And that made me think of the Thin Blue Line which is an American flag that's all in grays except for there's a blue line and that's for the police. So these kind of flags were hung or flown over the plaza as well as like the pride flag or any other flag of any other kind of organization you might expect to use a public space to say, hey, this is what we're doing. We're celebrating today. Isn't this really cool? If you like us, you like what this flag represents, come check us out. Sounds great. Well, then came along a organization that teaches constitution to children it's called camp constitution so this organization camp constitution is celebrating the fact that they have been actively teaching civics and the constitution and made contributions to the social fabric of the boston i'm sure metro area and the children of the Boston metro area. So they approached the city of Boston. Boston said, sure, you can use that. And then they scheduled it. And I don't know how it happened, (laughs) but they were gonna put up a Christian flag. Now there's not really a necessarily an endorsed Christian flag, but there is a Christian flag that most Christians would recognize pretty easily identifiable as a Christian flag. It is all white. The upper left corner is blue, similar to the blue upper left corner of the American flag that has the white stars in it, only this is a solid blue with a red cross. That's it. There's not much else to it, but that's pretty clearly a emblem of the Christian faith, right? Somewhere along the line they figured out that this was a Christian flag and I didn't read all the details of the hearing and it will be there will be a link on the page for this podcast to the actual opinion of the Supreme Court just read the opinion if you just read the first few paragraphs it'll give you a basic outline of what it was and the decision that they came to and why they came to that decision then there's several pages That break everything down in in great detail. That's how all these Supreme Court rulings are written out. Kind of like a professional paper, where you get the abstract at the beginning, gives you the big picture, and then if you really want to get into the details, you read the rest of the paper. So at some point along the line, they figured out that they were going to fly this Christian flag. Boston wasn't having it. They're like, no, we can't do that, because that will violate this establishment. Because what gets put up there is basically government speech. It's a government-owned flagpole. So if you put your flag up there, it's almost like we as a city are endorsing your religion. Now, that kind of doesn't hold water for me because it doesn't represent everybody in Boston. You know, I'm sure there are people who fly flags for countries that maybe we don't agree with. But then again, that is freedom of speech. <laughs> and their argument was, well, we, we, we allow the pride flag up because we have Pride Week or Pride Month and, and we respect our community members who fit into that demographic. Fine. We allow the thin blue line because we respect our police officers and the members of our community who support the police officers. Fine. But this is, you know, we don't want to be seen as establishing a Christian religion because we have people of other religions. Again, I didn't read all the details, but I bet if you looked at all the 50 uses, one of them could have been related to a religion because they seem to single out the Christian faith as opposed to other faiths. The Supreme Court in May of 22 took up this idea that is this really government speech and is this really establishing a religion, establishing the creation or or honoring of just one religion versus the free exercise of people of faith, most notably Christian faith? They said, no, this is free speech. This flagpole basically represents anybody who gets access to the plaza They don't limit access to the plaza. The only thing the city does is coordinate the schedule. And they hadn't really asked other organizations what kind of flag they were going to fly until this Camp Constitution. Camp Constitution, this Christian patriotic organization, they said, hmm, what kind of flag are you going to fly? We don't think you should fly that flag. And it was blatant discriminatory. The U.S. Supreme Court called them out and said, you cannot discriminate against Christian speech unless you're going to discriminate against everybody who speaks. Either you're going to control the space or you're going to let the space be used by everybody. So they accounted this to free speech in the First Amendment, that free speech line that says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech. So they said, no, you can't abridge the freedom of speech for this group if you're not going to abridge the freedom of speech for all groups as a government entity. So saying that they can block it for everybody is just my guess. That's just my inference that either if you're going to let somebody use it, you have to let everybody use it or everybody who wants to use it. You have to allow them to use the flagpole. Let's put it that way. So that's huge. That's huge because this goes to Christmas decorations that have been blocked. You know, people were allowed to put up decorations for the holidays or different things. But when it came to setting up a nativity scene or putting up other clearly Christmas related decorations or even Hanukkah decorations, there's been pushback. This says you can't do that. If you're going to let people put stuff up, you got to let people put stuff up. That's huge because that really kind of clarifies at the U.S. Supreme Court for every state in the United States. This is the rule of the land. You cannot block the Christians free speech and allow other organizations their right to speak. So that's huge. Don't think you've heard about this case. I had not heard about it until today when I started digging around. The second is another (laughs) If you've been paying attention to politics and if you're a Christian family and you have children who you want to educate with the Judeo-Christian ideals that this country was established with, this next case is really, really important to you. The second case was decided on June 21st, 2022, so just a couple weeks ago, and it was Carson v. Macon. I don't know who those people are. Do you know who those people are? Hmm, No. Basically, it's the state of Maine versus a couple parents. In the state of Maine, they have a tuition reimbursement program or tuition payment program, similar to the voucher system they have in Ohio. Now, Ohio started this before most other states did where, then it started as a pilot program in Cleveland and they gave inner city Cleveland families the right to take their school money and use it to pay the tuition at a private school, so that they weren't forced to attend the very poor performing schools in the city of Cleveland, but they could take that money and use it to pay the way for them to go to mostly parochial schools, Catholic schools. I'm pretty sure, might not, maybe I shouldn't say anything, but I'm thinking that's how LeBron got to the school he was at, which was a Catholic school. I don't know the details of that, so maybe I'll cut that out, but in the state of Maine, they set up this program, they gave money to people, the, the parents took their children to the schools that they wanted to go to, and they had this stipulation. In Maine, the school had to be approved by the Maine Department of Education. In, in Ohio, that's Ohio Department of Education or whatever, the State Department of Education. Or they had to be accredited by the New England Association of Schools and Colleges. So this NEASC, New England Association of Schools and Colleges, is an accreditation board that stipulates a certain standard level. So if you're accredited by these schools or if you're approved by the main Department of Education, it basically says you're gonna teach math and you're gonna teach math in such a way that the graduates will graduate with sufficient math to be, I can only hope, useful citizens, unfortunately. Math is probably not the best subject to consider since kids can graduate from high school and not know what a checkbook is or how to balance one. But they would meet the standards set by these organizations as far as the curriculum that they taught with respect to basic standards. They're gonna read, they're gonna write, they're gonna do math, they're gonna know basic history. Whatever that stipulation is, they're gonna meet those standards. Of course, for the other schools or the other subjects, oh, by the way, all the kids in this school are going to be in some kind of performing arts organization. Or all the kids in this school are also going to get a Judeo-Christian education. They're going to get religion classes. Well, the state of Maine said, no, 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 no. That's just for sectarian schools. So you have to be secular. You can't really be religious. So you can be a secular school that is approved by these groups and you do the performing arts, you learn a music or you learn drama or you learn how to do podcasts or you know, we have this little specialty thing. But yeah, you Christian people, we don't really want to do that because you know we would be establishing that as a belief. They argued, this violates the establishment clause. Maine is not going to establish a religion by allowing you to take your tax dollars to go to the school that you want to, because we don't approve of that school. (laughs) And this Establishment Clause has been used as an excuse for a lot of discrimination over the years. And by Establishment Clause, I mean the statement, separation of church and state. There is no such statement, the separation of church and state. It was derived during a hearing by the Supreme Court. And it was immediately clung to as a standard for all cases moving forward regarding the First Amendment rights of religion. Long time, long standing abuses of this 50 years. Okay. Again, it's kind of a made up thing. It's not in the, it's not in the Constitution. It was a opinion by one of the cases that the Supreme Court found, and this was written in the opinion, and it became the tagline for everything to discriminate against predominantly Christian, but any religious organization. So this started in 1981 in Maine. In 1981, they limited payments to non-sectarian schools. I don't know that they completely blocked them, but they limited them. and. These parents fought back. These parents said, no, you can't do that. We have the right for the freedom of expression under the First Amendment to express our religious beliefs through the choice of the school that we send our children to. And if you're going to give money for people to go to schools that are not quote unquote public schools, they're private schools, whether they're sectarian or not, whether they're secular or religious... We have that right. You're not establishing my religion. I've established my religion for my family. And and my religion has this school that I want my children to be educated in. And this school that aligns with my religious belief also aligns with your limitations and accreditations set out in the law that allows me to get my tuition money. You cannot discriminate against me when I meet all the criteria just because my school is associated with a religion. That's religious discrimination. The Supreme Court agreed that they could not abuse their First Amendment rights under the guise of staying divided between church and state by saying, we're not, we're establishing a religion because we're going to prevent you from going to the school of your choice. Their argument did not hold water and the Supreme Court of the United States saw right through it and said, no, nope, nope, nope. That's not going to happen. They also brought up the equal protection clause in the 14th amendment, but everything I saw in what I read for this case, there was nothing in there about the 14th amendment because I think there, the decision was definitive on the First Amendment, that they did not even address the 14th Amendment issues. And I'm not sure if that's because, you know, we're gonna go in numerical order, and if we make our case here, we don't need to go on there, or if there just wasn't, there wasn't enough debate and argument on both sides about that. So even though that was part of the argument when they presented the case, that it was the First Amendment Free Exercise Clause and the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause, I don't think the 14th Amendment was brought up in the decision, which is the final statement on how this is to play out for the country again. So what does this mean for you and me? Every state that has any sort of school choice, which most of us parents are striving for, especially given the fact that the schools have not only become secular, they've become Anti American in a lot of respects, and they've been, become pro socialism, pro communism. That we want the ability to have our children educated under the Judeo Christian beliefs that our country was founded on, because it's those Judeo Christian beliefs that allow the freedoms that we have to be exercised and enjoyed by everyone. Several times in the last two weeks, and by several, I mean more than a half a dozen. I have had the opportunity to share what I'm going to share with you now to different people. I work at home. I do this podcast. This is my primary work. And on a side note, if you're enjoying it and you want to help, please go to elainecross.com and make a donation. Okay, that was my short commercial. So more than six times over the last two weeks, I have made this comment. What the atheist doesn't understand is that without the Judeo-Christian belief of the United States, the atheist loses the right to be an atheist. The atheist cannot believe what they want to believe, which is there is no God, without the help and support of the Judeo-Christian belief that gives them the liberty to believe that. Now, that's one of our foundational beliefs. That's one of our four walls of our Individual temples is liberty. And this is it. God gives us the liberty to reject Him or accept Him. The Judeo Christian belief gives others and establishes the right of others to exercise that right to accept God or reject God. Communism will not give you that. Socialism will not give you that. In communism, the government is your God there was no God in the communist state, but the state. And if this country were to become communist, the atheist could no longer be atheist, because the atheist, along with everyone else, would be beholden to the government. Because the government will be in charge, and you will have no right to disagree or not believe that it's in charge. That's profound. The establishment of the United States of America, the believers, the non believers alike understood, especially during the Revolutionary War. There were people in the United States who didn't believe in God. Not everyone who came here was a Christian. Not everyone who came here that believed in God really wanted to serve God. They believed, but they just did their own thing, they ran their own life. The reality is they knew because they had seen the oppression of the king. They had lived under the oppression of no religious freedom, but it was also no other freedom because the king and the lords and and all the rulers were in charge. The average person had no say and no authority to change anything. But under the Judeo-Christian belief, under the Constitution of the United States, under this representative republic, not democracy. Everyone has freedoms. Everyone has liberties. The atheist has the freedom to believe there is no God, not even the government. The atheist can be fully in control of his own life, his own choices, his own destiny, unless he loses the protection and the cover of, of the Judeo-Christian belief that this country was founded on, because it's through that that he has liberty. Now, people need to know this. People need to understand these freedoms don't come easily. These freedoms were fought for. People died for. And unbelievers, along with believers, stood up together and said, this is how we want our country to be. Because in this country of freedom, built on, established by biblical truth, Judeo-Christian beliefs, we are all more free. We are all better off. This isn't about one group forcing the beliefs down the other group's throat. This is about, let me believe in God, let me serve God, and I will let you be you. That's what makes America great our liberties, which are established by the Judeo-Christian belief, say that there's a creator bigger than man, bigger than a person. Therefore, those beliefs, those rights, those liberties cannot be taken away by a man, by a person, by a government, because they're above and beyond the limitations of a government. And that's just the second of these three lawsuits. Now, the last one you may have heard a little bit about. And in fact, I have a, a short little clip from CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network, that talked about this. Here, I will play it.
1: Both sides of Kennedy versus Bremerton School District argued their case all comes down to the First Amendment. In the end, the majority ruling in favor of individual freedom over government censorship.
0: The First Amendment means that people of faith can be people of faith. They don't need to choose between the job that they love And their faith to stay employed.
1: In 2015, the Bremerton School District in Washington State fired Coach Joseph Kennedy for praying on the 50 yard line after football games. Their concern that allowing those prayers to go on would come across as a state endorsement of his religion. Kennedy's lawyers pointed to both the free exercise and free speech clauses of the Constitution to protect the coach's right to pray. The high court agreed. Justice Neil Gorsuch, writing for the majority, said, quote, Respect for religious expressions is indispensable to life in a free and diverse republic, whether those expressions take place in a sanctuary or on a field, and whether they manifest through the spoken word or a bowed head.
0: What I think we saw Justice Gorsuch say so well today is that you cannot use, school districts cannot use the Establishment Clause to to censor the Free Exercise Clause, as they've done so many times, too many times in the last several many years now.
1: In her dissent, Justice Sonia Sotomayor accused the court of eroding religious liberty for all by elevating the religious rights of a school official over those of his students. Monday's ruling also had major implications on the so-called Lemon Test. For decades in religious liberty cases, the Supreme Court referred to a ruling from 1971, Lemon v. Kurtzman, as a framework for dealing with separation of church and state under the First Amendment. Now, experts say that complicated legal standard has essentially been eliminated, meaning courts will no longer necessarily favor secular interests over religious ones.
0: I think it's very clear that the Lemon test is now no longer good law. That instead, we're going to look at the unique facts and history, the circumstances that have that has welcomed the religion in the public square uh, throughout our country's history.
1: Coach Kennedy told CBN News, his faith has sustained him through a long legal battle. Now he's ready to get back out on the field. Caitlin Burke, CBN News, Washington.
0: So this third one, this issue of prayer, can a school employee take a moment to pray? This one to me is huge. This lemon test was established 50 years ago. And this lemon test was designed to kind of like the separation of church and state. And this was criteria that they would determine whether it fit or didn't fit. So in the wake of the lemon test, cities, states, and mostly schools have really ferreted out religious observances, really in a way of censorship. And this case said that censorship is unconstitutional. It is an anti-religious discrimination. This is landmark. (sighs) This is a landmark decision. Yes, Roe, 50 years old, is also a landmark decision. The activity of the Supreme Court this term has been huge for a return to constitution. Now there have been some comments in a couple of these cases that relate to other laws and other things that they have created out of um, not from the Constitution but from the opinions in the cases that were written. That's where the uh, separation of church and state, it was in the opinion that was in the writing for a court case. This lemon test was also in the writing, the decision of a court case. Clarence Thomas and Kavanaugh and someone else have alluded to these other types of misuse Of opinion in these decisions that has plagued future decisions, future cases that have not reached the Supreme Court. I pulled out two quotes from this decision that this coach is allowed to pray the end of the game on center field. Now, they said that, you know, by him praying as an employee, he was really saying that, you know, his is... Coercing the students is the term that they used. And they got one student to say, Well, I felt like I needed to pray with them because I was going to lose playtime. And the Supreme Court was like, That's not really supported in your arguments because there's just not enough strength there to justify that claim. So one of the quotes from this decision is the First Amendment clauses have complementary purposes, not warring ones, where one clause is always sure to prevail over the others. One clause prevail over the others. And this is the whole thing about equal exercise and freedom of speech. They're not in competition with each other. They're complementary to each other. Again, remember when we read this amendment Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, the press, the right of the people to assemble, petition the government for redress of grievances. Freedom to exercise goes with the freedom of speech. Can't prohibit the freedom to exercise and the freedom of the press. This takes me to the Second Amendment. I know, and I, I'm completely jumping courses here, but one of the most recent attacks on the Second Amendment has been on ammunition. And I talked about this in my the number nine podcast talking about safer schools. You have a right to own and bear arms. It means you have a right to be able to use them. You have a right to exercise them. Well, if you don't have access to ammunition, You can't exercise your right to own and bear arms because otherwise it's just a paperweight. And that's the easiest way for me to describe it to you. So they can't prohibit the exercise of your religion. They can't keep you from putting up a Christian flag, from praying on the 50-yard line, from praying at work, from wearing some kind of religious garment, No one would ever say that a woman in a hijab or hijab, sorry if I'm saying it wrong, but in the Muslim dress or headdress or the full outfit, that they would say they can't wear that to work because it's part of their religious belief. And yet they will tell Christians that they cannot put a cross on their desk. They can't hang a cross in their classroom. They can't wear a t-shirt that says faith in the shape of a cross. These three lawsuits, these three decisions by the Supreme Court have said, oh, yes, they can. And by the way, Board of Education, city officials, state officials, you cannot tell them no. You cannot prohibit them from exercising their religion or squelching their free speech The First Amendment was to control the federal government, not the citizens. To control the state government, not the citizens. The whole idea of the American ideal was that the federal government would be afraid of the state government. And the state government would respect and honor the wishes of the citizens. So in essence, the individual person would have more power than the state or federal government. And what we have seen in response to the role and the gun law in New York, the, the right to bear arms, so we've got you know the, the right to life and the right to bear arms, which has been talked about everywhere, the response was the federal government to write this gun bill which really has no business being in the federal government, let Ohio's money stay in Ohio and let Ohio write the laws and the rules that they want to deal with the potential for a school shooting or any other kind of potential threat and let Iowa's money stay in Iowa, let Hawaii's money stay in Hawaii, let Alabama's money stay in Alabama and let New York money stay in New York. The federal government should stop absconding money from every state Taking money out of my pocket, taking money out of your pocket, taking it to the federal government, mixing it around, everybody taking a little bit, and of course, establishing a whole framework of waste and abuse and pay for all these employees and all this infrastructure that is unnecessary, and then divvy back up a percentage of it to the states based on some algorithm that they figured out in some way that they think is best. No. Stay out of the things that are none of your business. And if it's not in the Constitution, the Constitution says it's the state's business. So if if it's not in the Constitution, like abortion, then the state should say it's none of your business. Leave the money in the state. That's how education is. That's how a lot of things are. The federal government is way too big and it's dealing with issues that are not their responsibility. And frankly, they're falling down on the job of the things that are their responsibility, like the border. I'm not going to get into all that. Today, I'm going to celebrate the return to the state, the power and the authority that belongs in the state. And I'm going to celebrate the return to the people, the power and the right to establish their own religion, to exercise that religion, to speak freely, to express themselves freely, to honor their God, and to peacefully assemble and petition the government for a redress of grievance. I am so grateful for the people who brought these cases to the Supreme Court. It takes years. This football coach was fired in 2015 It takes years for these things to make their way through all the courts and not get knocked down and cast aside. And you know, the United States Supreme Court only takes a small, small, small number of cases to hear, to decide. They reject a ton. So the fact that we have these cases this year is significant. We've got two more to hear from. Be interesting to see what they say on those two that, that are important the EPA which is another it's a government organization that you know I like the fact that my river doesn't burn anymore I live in Ohio in Ohio there's the Cuyahoga River the Cuyahoga River was so polluted it was literally burning I like that it doesn't burn anymore we are called to be good stewards of our land but I also know that a little bit of power becomes incredibly addictive and there are times when we have to rein that power in and it's not easy I'm interested to hear what this EPA case is, because it's about the right for a state to generate electricity. And I think part of that was the the war on coal. Well, right now, frankly, I could use some cheaper electricity. And I know a lot of this is the government's ploy to make us go green. You and I know there's no way we can generate enough electricity to live the life that we now live, because we depend on electricity for everything. And now they want us to get our cars electric, and then they're going to be in control of the switch. They're going to be in control of who gets electricity, how much electricity they get, and when you get it. That doesn't sound like the America I know. The other quote I mentioned, I had two quotes from the Kennedy versus Bremerton schools in Washington State. I love this quote. Phantom constitutional violations do not justify actual violations of an individual's First Amendment rights. Phantom constitutional violations do not justify actual violations of an individual's First Amendment rights. That is how the separation of church and state is described in this opinion. That is powerful. I love it. It's not the government that's supposed to control religion. It's the people are supposed to push back against the government. And as we are called to push back against chaos, the government is causing a lot of chaos right now. So be the light. Be the light in this dark world. They need it. Remember, we are to honor all people and we are not at war with people. There are people that are very upset about the road decision And you know what? A lot of them are blinded. They don't understand. They don't want to understand. They have been fed a diet of lies and fear, and they want things to be easy. Well, freedom is messy, and our enemy lies and says, Easy can be yours if only you give up everything to me. Only you and I. Those of us who live brightly, we know that's not easy. That's death. That's a sure, fast way to lose everything. You're probably wondering why did she say anything about Chicken Little? What's the deal with the sky is falling? The sky is falling. Well, over 50 years ago, the sky was falling. The New Deal was up and the progressive communists were on the move. In 1962, In 1962, there was a book written about the 45 goals of the Communist Party, most of which they were going to do through the schools and through the courts by constraining our liberties and our rights. We who live brightly know that our rights come from God. They come from our creator, and they're bigger than the government because he is bigger than the government. And men, people, are not to take those rights away. But unfortunately, those rights have been blocked by the whole idea of the separation of church and state. They have been blocked by the idea of privacy. And when I looked through these three decisions by the Supreme Court, Chicken Little came to mind because the response on the left right now is, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, which is what the Christians said in the 40s and the 50s and the 70s when a lot of these cases were being established. Who are the characters in Chicken Little? And why does Chicken Little matter to these three cases? And really, five cases, if you're going to add the Roe v. Wade overturning and the New York State gun rights law, which is a Second Amendment case, who are the characters in Chicken Little? Now, we can relate these to ourselves, right? The group of foul, group of people that Henny Penny gathers around herself, that's her tribe. And when she's freaking out, there are people in her life who are just going along, like Rooster Brewster. There are people that have questions that don't really say much, like Ducky Chucky. And then there's people who really start to verbalize concern. Goosey Brucey and of course Turkey Perky. But ultimately, Henny Penny needed to see it for herself. Turkey Perky didn't try to convince her. It's not his job to convince her. It's his job to go alongside her and tell her, I have concerns about this. Are you sure? With the Supreme Court, they are the group of foul. (laughs) Yes, they're the foul, but they're a tribe too, right? There's only so many Supreme Court justices, and those Supreme Court justices make these decisions that impact the whole United States. Turkey Perky is a character that's played by the person who writes the majority opinion, And Turkey Perky has investigated, evaluated, and he says, this is the truth and the majority of the rest of the foul agree with him. That becomes the majority opinion. Henny Penny, Chicken Little, writes the opinion for the dissent, the people who were not in the majority. And sometimes that's very clear based on left or right political views. And sometimes it's a mixed bag. But Henny Penny gets to the point where she might be thinking, oh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And then she wraps it into a coherent, thoughtful response saying, yes, turkey perky has the majority, but this is the other side of the story. This is how I see it. So who's the fox? Now, I told you in the beginning, the fox was the enemy. The enemy is the same. In our lives, we have an enemy who's trying to distract us from God and distract us from serving other people. And sometimes when the Holy Spirit stirs within you something to do, the fox distracts you and tries to drag you into a hole to destroy what God is trying to do with you, through you, or for others. In the Supreme Court, it's the same. There's not an enemy in the Supreme Court that's any bigger than evil itself. Now, sometimes that evil is dressed up as lawyers who are making cases for things that or try to diminish the rights that God gave us by saying the government is the more powerful authority on things. And then there's the oak tree. And the oak tree drops these acorns. And when acorns hit you, they hurt. These are things that we experience that we endure as citizens. Now, sometimes those are small and we we take it to our tribe and we deal with it with ourselves. Sometimes they're big and we take it to court and we say, this is not right. You need to fix it. For us, our sky is falling. What do you mean I can't pray? What do you mean I can't fly my flag? They get to fly their flag. What do you mean that I can't send my children to the school that meets all your criteria? But you say no, because it's not sectarian, because it has this Judeo-Christian foundation. The Supreme Court this spring of 2022 has reversed a lot of what the communists, big government organizations through the effort of our enemy has done to diminish your individual rights that God has given you. And we need to celebrate that. And we need to celebrate and thank the people that fought these fights. 50 years, a lot of these decisions have been on the books. And to have a case come up to overturn not just one or two of them, this is huge. This is a move that can reset our constitutional republic in a place where it has not been for a very long time. And we need to be thankful for those people who fought those fights, who didn't give up, who didn't back down, who didn't walk away. Thank you. Now, remember, this is a value for value podcast. So if you've gotten value from understanding what was going on with these three cases and other cases and other things that I've shared, I would ask you to give. Right now, I'm writing about things that I think are very important for you to hear. But if you have a question, something that you want me to investigate or you want me to look into... Go to my website, elainecross.com, make a donation, and send me an email. In the email, in the subject line, donation question. Right now, my husband and I are supporting this endeavor. If you want to support this endeavor and have a say in what we talk about, that's how you do it. Make a donation, ask a question, send me an email, donation question, and I'll look into it and see what we can do to, to address that question. There are several ways you can give. They're all on the website. And if there's another way that you want for me to be able to accept donations, let me know. It's been an exciting couple of weeks with the Supreme Court. There are other cases that have come out and there's other things that I wanna talk about just about our constitution. So you can get a feel for how the Judeo-Christian ideal really established this country and holds this country together. As, As I mentioned, without the rights that God gave us, Without this Judeo-Christian foundation, even the atheists lose the right to be an atheist because you have to believe in the government because the government will be your God and they will make sure that you are honoring it with everything you have because they'll just come take it. Thank you, Lord, that we do not live in that kind of country. Thank you, Lord, for helping establish the United States of America and charging us with the responsibility to keep America free to keep the United States a constitutional republic. Live brightly, be the light, burn bright that others may see it's the Holy Spirit living in you and through you to minister to those around you. Be the light, let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And remember this is a value for value podcast. So if you have gotten benefit from this, I ask you please share it with someone. Tell somebody to listen to it. These are three important decisions that every Christian should know about. Head over to elainecross.com. That's E-L-A-Y-N-E cross.com. Make a donation, support what I'm doing and share it with others. Have a great day. Till next time. Thanks for joining me. Till next time. The story of Chicken Little. There was once a big farm near a vast field, and here there lived a hen named Penny. She was great friends with everyone, and those who knew her gave her many names. She was a tiny hen, and the other chickens in the yard would tease her for her size. They often called her Chicken Little. While Penny surprisingly loved this name, her favorite thing to be called was Henny Penny, given to her by the other fowls that lived nearby. The rhyme was perfect, it was sweet, and she liked it very much. One morning, as Henny Penny was plucking worms in the hen yarn, an acorn dropped from a tree right on her head. She had no idea what hit her, however, and so she started shouting, The sky is falling! The sky is falling! She ran around in circles for a while, calmed herself, and then got right to waddling. She had to alert the king. She waddled and waddled and waddled until she found her excellent friend, Rooster Booster. What's the matter, Henny Penny? he asked. Oh, Rooster Booster, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and we must alert the king, she cried. Oh, we must, we must, he cried back. Henny Penny and Rooster Booster waddled and waddled and waddled until they saw their wonderful pal, Ducky Chucky. Now, Ducky Chucky was basking in the sun near the pond's edge, when he noticed the two chickens fast approaching. Henny Penny, Rooster Booster, hello, fine day, isn't it? Ducky Chucky giggled and splashed into the water. Oh, Ducky Chucky, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and we must alert the king, Henny Penny exclaimed. Oh, we must, we must, Rooster Booster chimed in. Ducky Chucky bounded from the pond and joined his friends immediately, and as he shook his little webbed feet free from water, he felt the warm sun dry them quickly and wondered how the sky could fall on a warm summer day such as this one. He looked at the concerns on his friends' faces, nevertheless, and shrugged his wonders away. Henny Penny, Rooster Booster, and Ducky Chucky waddled and waddled and waddled until they met up with the brawny Goosey Brucey, floating with ease at the other end of the pond. Oh, Goosey Brucey, Henny Penny began, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, we must alert the king. Oh, we must, we must, Rooster Booster chimed in. Ducky Chucky looked back at the blazing sun and again wondered how the sky could fall on a warm summer's day such as this one. Goosey Brucey wanted to protect his foul friends and he wanted to join them in their journey to the nearby palace, but he had a question about the sky above. Henny Penny, he started, how do you know the sky is falling? Well, it fell right on my head, she answered. Goosey Brucey puffed his chest feathers instantly and moved right along, shrugging his questions away. Henny Penny, Rooster Booster, Ducky Chucky, and Goosey Brucey "'waddled and waddled and waddled until they came to the farm fence. "'They noticed the eccentric turkey-perky pecking on the other side. "'Oh, turkey-perky, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, "'we must alert the king,' Henny Penny squealed. "'Oh, we must, we must,' Brewster Booster chimed in. "'Again, Ducky Chucky, now hot as ever and missing his pond, "'wondered how the sky could fall on a warm summer's day such as this one. "'Goosey-Brucey again asked aloud, "'How do we know the sky is falling?' It fell right on my head, I say, I say, Henny Penny shouted in desperation. Now Turkey Perky stopped pecking and turned to the group. Rooster Brewster, did you see the sky fall? No, I did not, the rooster replied quietly. And Ducky Chucky, you look strained. How are you feeling? Turkey Perky asked. Well, I am concerned. I am hot. I wonder how the sky could be falling on such a beautiful day, he replied. And Goosey Brucey, Turkey Perky turned to the burly bird. Do you not see the sky falling, do you? No, I do not, the goose responded. Ha ha! Well then, I will come with you on your merry way, but we've all got some doubts, Penny, the turkey said with glee. He was interested to see where this adventure would go. Henny Penny, Rooster Booster, Ducky Chucky, Goosey Brucey, and Turkey Perky waddled and waddled and waddled until they could see the palace just beyond the farmer's field. As they waddled over the last hill of the vast field, they saw a flash of reddish-brown before them. It was Mr. Fox. None of the fowl friends had met the sly creature before, but they had heard rumors of his trickery and appetite. Henny Penny and Rooster Booster were oblivious, though, and desperate to keep moving. Ducky Chucky suddenly shivered, forgot the day's heat, while Goosey Brucie's chest became even puffier. Turkey Perky just stopped and smiled. "'Hello, hello, hello,' Cried the fox. "'Oh, Mr. Fox, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, we must alert the king!' Henny Penny shouted. "'Oh, we must, we must!' Rooster Booster chimed in, but the other birds stayed silent. "'Ah, yes, the sky is falling, and I know where the king is,' replied the delighted Mr. Fox. He licked his lips and gestured the birds to follow him past a large tree and back over the hill.' Henny Penny and Rooster Booster began to waddle, waddle, waddle in the direction of Mr. Fox. Turkey Perky whispered something to Ducky Chucky and Goosey Brucey, and then the three waddled closely behind the rest. As Mr. Fox led Henny Penny and Rooster Booster into a hole in the hill just under the tree, Ducky Chucky bounded into action. There was a small patch of water beside the opening, and the duck giggled with delight as he splashed his feet loudly. Rooster Booster and Mr. Fox emerged from the hole, suddenly distracted by all the quacking and splashing. Goosey Brucey looked at Turkey Perky, who gave him the signal and stood right under the tree over the hole. The goose puffed up his chest out as hard as he could to muster and bumped the trunk, causing the tree to shake. Several acorns fell, covering the hole and hitting Mr. Fox, knocking him out cold. Turkey Perker pecked and pecked and pecked up the acorns until there was just enough room for the tiny hen to escape out of the hole. Chicken Little, indeed. By now, she had seen the acorns collapsing and knew what had fallen on her head earlier. Henny Penny, Rooster Booster, Ducky Chucky, Goosey Brucey, and Turkey Perky waddled and waddled and waddled back home to safety. Henny Penny hugged her foul friends and kissed Turkey Perky on the cheek, grateful that the fox had not eaten them and that the world was not ending. Instead, they all lived happily ever after.